Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I am here, as always, with my co-hosts, Evan Hoovler and Mike Valverde. Gentlemen, week 10, we made it. How are we feeling? Mike, how are we feeling today? You know, I was feeling really good, especially after that Colts victory last night. I I was I was excited. A great, great, great game. Colts needed that victory uh, to not not only be two games behind the Tennessee Titans, plus a loss in their division to the Titans. So that game was extremely important. Um, they raced it all and they beat them in Tennessee. So next time they play, they play them in Indianapolis with already the game lead. So it was a great victory. And then today. I kind of spoiled that feeling because I watched Tom Brady play against the Saints, and I think that was probably the worst performance I've seen Tom Brady ever play. I mean, if he was some dude that just took over a starting role, I would be like, this guy will never play again. He was that bad. How about that uh, that pick, not to go back to last Sunday Night Football, but that pick where he was throwing across his body in a massive arc into double coverage? That's what all quarterback coaches tell you to do, right? Yeah, that that's always the first thing. If you, <laughs> if you can't get that down, then you'll never make it in the league. Yeah. Evan, how are you doing today? I'm okay. This is the week that I'm usually at my lowest in terms of fantasy emotion. Uh, my, 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 my fantasy season starts strong because barbecue strategy is effective and I only do uh, fantasy football auctions. Then I usually finish strong. Because I hold on to running backs like they're made of diamonds. But it's the middle of the season where I don't do so well. I start to get a little bored. I start paying attention to other things. Uh, My lack of uh, trading up in the first few weeks to make a better starting lineup uh, uh, starts to really bite me in in the butt. For instance, I started 5-0 in my big money league, and now I'm 5-4. So this is the week where I'm like, okay, Evan, you got to remember it's going to turn around because you're the only one in these large leagues who has running backs. Just stay the course. Don't give up. So this is this is the faith week for me where I'm like, you just got to believe that it's, even though it's played out like this for the last 20 years, every year I'm like, huh, I really did really bad these last four weeks. I wonder if I'm just toast. Yeah, you got to It's a it's it's not as long as the fantasy baseball season, but it's still a long season. So you got to. You gotta just, you know, process over results is is the way is the way that they put it. So, um, if this is your first episode of the podcast, hello, welcome in. Uh, what we do here is uh, we take a look forward at the games this weekend instead of telling you, oh, I think that you should uh, start Zach Moss or Tua Tungovailoa. We we give a little preview by saying what we're looking for in this game, what what questions we might have, what actual information we might pull out of it, trying to give a little bit of a different angle on um, fantasy football discussions. But um, yeah, if you want to hear the answers to these questions, what you can do is go ahead and go to patreon.com slash football absurdity, where we have a Tuesday uh, version of this podcast that answers all the questions as well as doing the Thursday night preview. Sorry, I got a little distracted there. ESPN started auto-playing a video. I love it. There's a delay. You have the screen open for like... 10 to 15 seconds and then the uh the video starts playing so it distracted me um but let's start off by talking about last night's game mike alluded to it colts 34 titans 17 and and mike i'm going to contend with your assertion that it was a good game as somebody who has near universal exposure to aj brown i contend it was a very well one very bad play um in what was a not a great game for aj brown he had that drop and two other balls just smacked out of his hands so that was a that was a uh, a bizarre turn of events for me. 
Because when I saw that ball dropping in, I had visions of a would have been like a 70-yard touchdown in, oh, in yeah. my head. I was already banking those points in my fantasy mashups, and then it just bloop, bobbles right back out. So, Mike, uh, but you wanted to know about the other side of the ball. You wanted to know about Phillip Rivers, uh, how he can perform against this Tennessee Titans defense, and um, how uh, <laughs> how did he perform? He did all right. Uh, you know, I was curious on if he would be a top 12 because the Tennessee Titans' pass defense is just atrocious, and he did well, 29 for 39 for 308 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. I just don't think that one touchdown is going to put him in the top 12. So he, you know, especially from a guy who doesn't ever run the ball. Um, I mean, he doesn't even bootleg. If if he bootlegs, it's it's a miracle of God. Um, so the 300 yards, 308 yards on his touchdown will probably put him around QB 15, I, I would imagine. Yeah, at least um, he'll finish higher than Ryan Tannehill, who had 147 and one in this game. So, um there, there is a bit of a silver lining there. And while we're talking about the Colts, let's talk about their running back situation really quick. This is something that um, I kind of cover what we didn't ask questions about. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, seven carries for 12 yards, two receptions for 25 yards. And I know they kept bringing it. It felt like they kept bringing him in when it was like third and one and fourth and one. But he knows that you're allowed to get more than a yard on those situations, right? He's He's aware of that fact. I think he likes to bang into the defense and then fall down. Um, he he had one great play where he ran over one of the defenders. He just yeah. totally trucked him. Um, and then it's just like I'm, I just have all these visions of Trent Richardson playing in my head again with his limited vision. I don't think it's as bad as Trent Richardson. Richardson was nearly blind on the field. Yeah. But um, if you go back to Richardson's – first year um as a browns he like ran over i forget who it was um one of the biggest hits that he had as a pro and then and then uh taylor goes and does almost the exact thing and it's just like limited vision rookie year big time hit Ugh. um let's who just hope it doesn't recently keep falling that 15... i'm sorry you were going off Speak, keep going um yeah I, I just hope it doesn't go down the same path who was it that did the – it was a week and a half ago. They had the 15-minute deep dive about how Jonathan Taylor just lacks vision. Like, he, he's missing holes. He's running into guys. He doesn't – he's not looking up yet. I think the speed is uh, – I, I think he still needs to adjust to the speed. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure who did that that breakdown. But, um, but I mean, he – Naheem Hines definitively looked better, and I think, Mike, I think it comes down to vision. It doesn't matter how strong and athletic you are if you're running into the back of your offensive lineman every single time. You know, it's it's going to be a hard go. Uh, it's been a hard transition for Jonathan Taylor this year. Um, redraft, I mean, you can't drop him. Just bench him for now. I mean, you can, he's he has enough talent that if he gets his head right, he could – conceivably pull some second half value out of him this year but i mean the window is quickly closing yeah uh last week we were talking about naheem hines and i'm like yeah he's one of those players that will go off once every four or five weeks so he's not worth much but i don't know yes tennessee last night he sure looked like he could be a mainstay in this backfield so um 
I'm, I'm sort of changing my mind right now. I'm, I'm not going to officially change it until next week, and we'll see what happens next week. But I'm like, Naheem Hines, the way he could catch the ball and the way he was running last night, you're just like, this guy could just take over the backfield. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing is he looks like he could take over the backfield, which is pretty ridiculous. So, um, Evan, your question for this game was you wanted to know if uh, the Tennessee defense could be a decent streaming option this week yeah that just shows how bad i am in the middle of the season why didn't i think i no they were not just just spoiler alert they were not uh i also benched the indianapolis defense in my big money league what is wrong with me why did you do that i'm i eh, yeah man and i am not making any excuses like <laughs> it's been a rough one um yeah, uh, it turns out Thursday night football does not mean that every team plays poorly and gives up lots of points to the defense. Uh, and also, maybe you shouldn't bet on a veteran like Philip Rivers having two massive failures of a game in a row because they have experience having massive failures of a game and they know how to adjust. That's what I took from that. Yeah, I mean, I had I have four leagues with DSTs in them and I have the uh, uh, Colts in three of them. I don't know. Why, why why, you would go and bet somebody like that? That's crazy. You're a crazy you know, man. My, my kid was sick on Tuesday, and, a little sick, and my wife let him sleep in the bed with her. And then his twin brother wanted to sleep in the bed with her. So neither of them got a lot of sleep. And that creates a domino effect where my life is just hell for the next four to five days. All right. Uh, that, oh, you know what? That's an excuse. I take it back. I'm not making excuses. <laughs> that's fair enough. All right. Um... So things that we might have missed about this one, uh, Derrick Henry, 19 for 103, no touchdowns. So horrible game by Derrick Henry standards, um, even though he was just kind of plowing through guys in the second half. Just that's what he does. He got vultured by uh, Deonta Foreman, who got a five yard reception for a touchdown. Um, Corey Davis, uh, five for six, 67 yards. He actually led the Titans in receiving this game. So last week he got goose egg this week. He led the Titans in receiving as five for 67 is just okay. Um, in a PPR league, but it is encouraging after his goose egg last week. And he did deal with the unfortunate passing of his brother from cancer this week. So it was nice to see them get him involved. He led the team in targets along with John U. Smith, who only went two for 14, but he did have a rushing touchdown. So boys, are we, uh, Johnny Smith seems to be touchdown or bust. Uh, are, are, are we moving him down to the touchdown or bust range after he was creeping up towards stud status earlier this year? You know, I would. I, I, Anthony Ferkser has a lot more value um, coming in lately. Uh, I, I mean, Johnny Smith, it was all Johnny Smith, just like it was all Delaney Walker, but then Johnny Smith gets hurt. And you can go back to that, that point right there. And you could see that uh, Fruxer was was valuable. And then now that Johnny Smith is back, they haven't moved away from Fruxer as they did in the beginning of the season. So you have two tight ends that are cannibalizing each other. And there's just not enough passes to go around in, in this offense. I mean, it, it, you'd be lucky to get two really solid games out of Corey Davis and A.J. Brown together just because – they depend so much on the run. So now you're throwing two tight ends in the mix. Yeah, I, I would move away from John U. Smith. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. And then a guy that we're going to move towards, Michael Pittman. 
Uh, Michael Pittman, seven for eight, 101 yards. This coming off of uh, four for seven for 56 yards last week. He's starting to work his way into the rotation. Looks really good. He's just 9% rostered on Yahoo. Um, I think he's a guy that starting to, to uh, make his way um, into the league. And um, I'm excited because I really liked him uh, coming out of college. So it's nice to see him start to, uh, at least in the last couple of games, round into shape with what are two difficult matchups. Yeah. Um, well, they got they got Green Bay next week. Uh, yeah, that's another then, difficult matchup. So we'll see. And then Titans the following week. They play the Titans once again, uh, luckily in Indianapolis. But yeah, two these three games are very important to how they're going to play and how they're going to be seated. And I don't even know how many teams are going to go make the playoffs this year. But um, <laughs> seems like it increases every week. But um, <laughs> every week, two more teams make the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, yeah, it, these three games are, are pretty crucial, not only for their division hopes, but also seeding in the playoffs. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. I think uh, that'll do it for Thursday Night Football and for the Football Absurdity Podcast. Thank you for. No, I'm just kidding. Have a good day. Going to do a real short one this time. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's, the Indianapolis Colts podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and move forward to this weekend. Uh, this weekend's uh, buys are Atlanta, Dallas, Casey, and the Jets. So if you don't hear us talk about any of those teams, it's because they are not going to play. First game up on the dock is be Houston and Cleveland. It's a 10 a.m. start, 51 and a half point over under. Cleveland are three point favorites. This one is going to have a weather asterisk on it. Um, 23 mile per hour winds are expected with gusts. And that was kind of the situation that popped up two weeks ago for Cleveland that uh, I declared it a, a throw out all the information game after that. So, um, just keep that in mind, doing your start sits, maybe break ties against players in this game, but don't go too crazy about it. Injuries in this one, David Johnson has been ruled out with his concussion by the Texans today. Uh, the Browns had a player test positive uh, for COVID-19 and uh, they closed and then did all the contact tracing, found that nobody else was a high risk player and then reopened the facility. I don't know how you can determine that in an afternoon. Seems kind of crazy to me. Uh, Austin Hooper, who's been out with his appendix removal surgery, his uh, appendectomy, he's expected back in week 10. And Nick Chubb's status with his knee is up in the air. He might be back this weekend. So in this game, um, Evan, you wanted to know if uh, we can get back to Hunt Chubb dozens of carries. I mean, what are they going to do? Let him let Mayfield throw it into 26 mile an hour tornadoes swirling around up there. I, I this looks like the script is, is ripe for Cleveland's in the playoff hunt at five and three. Houston's two and six, but they have their offense can can catch fire. This feels like one where they're just going to ground and pound it, uh, especially if they get Chubb back. Even if they don't get Chubb back, like why why would you throw the ball in the air? You know. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to get at least 30 total carries from Hunt and Chubb. And if we're not, I'm going to figure out, Hey, Evan, why? So future or in future, when you have a weird weather game with a heavy running team, what aspect of this did you miss when, when, when projecting what would happen? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, Mike, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, um, I, I, I still, I think Chubb is going to be back this week and, you're not going to want Mayfield throwing the ball. So 
I yeah, give it to Hunt and Chubb dozens and dozens of times. Yeah, I was I was a uh, Baker Mayfield proponent this week because the Houston Texans are one of the worst pass defenses in the league. I believe they are top five in uh, points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. Um, and so uh, I'm sorry, they're they're top nine. Uh, there that means they're number nine. And um, I thought this was going to be a big game for the Browns passing game, but I don't think that's going to be happening this week. But uh, Mike. You want to know if Brandon Cooks can be top 12, and I wonder if that's going to be tempered by the weather this weekend as well. Yeah, that's a good point about the weather. Uh, but let's just say everything is at least playable, um, and we don't have you know a ball that gets blown off course. So Cooks has been on fire um, basically in the last few weeks, scoring 17-plus points in three of his last four games. He's seen at least nine targets in each of those games. Uh, as far as where where he uh, lines up, uh, he does he, he's everywhere. He's either he, he runs most of it from the outside, but he does get a you know, roughly eleven slot routes a week. Uh, the Browns talking about bad defensive. They allow twelve touchdowns and the fifth most fantasy points to wideouts this season. I would definitely recommend Cooks either as a wide receiver two, three, or flex. He definitely should get in your your lineups this week because I can see Cooks just having another great week against that weak Cleveland Browns defense. Yeah, I think in this one, the only limiting factor in terms of uh, fantasy points is going to be the weather. Uh, neither one of these defenses put up that much of a, a fight against the other team. So. Uh, we will see how that goes um, this weekend. So let's go ahead. Let's move on to Washington and Detroit. Washington is two and six. Detroit is three and five. And um, this one's a 46 and a half point over under. Detroit are four and a half point favorites. Uh, that was blank because there was questions about uh, Matthew Stafford. Um, I believe in his concussion, uh, if he was going to be in protocol. I'm not really sure why it was blank, to be honest with you, because there's not really any COVID things going on. Maybe it had to do, I have no idea. But uh, that finally got filled in today, the 46.5 point over under, 4.5 point favorites. Um, in this one, the injuries, are, Kyle Allen is going to be out for the year with his ankle surgery, so it's going to be Alex Smith in this one. Kenny Galladay has been ruled out uh, with his hip issue. Moment of silence. TJ Hawkinson with his toe injury is likely to play. So in this game, Mike, you wanted to know if Antonio Gibson will have another top 12 performance, making it three straight weeks for the kid, for the rookie. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's not putting up huge, fantastic numbers. And most of that is because JK, no, not JK Dobbins. Where did I get JK Dobbins? <laughs> J- JD McKissick. Thank you. JD McKissick is just taking away volume from from the rookie but he is putting up double digit points in six of his last seven games um and then you look at two other games where he's put up 18 plus points and now he has the lions and the lions are really bad against the run 15 total touchdowns and the most fantasy points they give up 35 fantasy points to opposing running backs uh just to emphasize that seven backs have scored 20 plus points against detroit yeah, Gibson. In PPR? Huh? In full PPR? Yes, full PPR. Okay. Um, Gibson uh, definitely should be in your lineups uh, this week, whether as an RB2 or a flex, but 
yeah, for sure, for sure against these lines, get him in there. Yeah, I mean, he's starting to turn it on. Um, even even with J.D. McKissick getting, uh, you know, double-digit targets last week, Gibson's starting to, starting to heat up lately. So, um, Evan, you want to know about another rookie running back in this one, and it's uh, DeAndre Swift. If he can continue to put up good carries and touches, even if he's not getting the volume, can he put some good yeah. tape together? He's been looking back. He's been doing the rookie, the rookie curve on tape, where it's like you might not be getting the points or the volume. He was only out there for forty percent of the snaps last week. But when you're there, you seem more relaxed. Your shoulders are now down. You're looking around. You're when the play breaks down. You know where to go. Stuff. It's not. It's nowhere near perfect, but it's looking better and better. And uh, I'm hoping that will improve because. You know, there's a there's an easy narrative for the fantasy playoffs where Adrian Peterson has 200 carries and they just they they can't put him in there. And DeAndre Swift is like, okay, I'm I'm practically a second year player now. Let's get it going on. I'm ready. I'm ready to break out here down the stretch. Okay, so yeah, this DeAndre Swift, a guy that we picked up uh, in the middle rounds of our drafts, hoping that something comes through that we can get excited for as the. Uh, Thanksgiving looms upon us, and that's kind of when you start to look towards your fantasy playoffs. Is uh, I like to think of that Thanksgiving game. So headed into that in a couple weeks, we can see if uh, he's got uh, something good he can put down on tape. All right, so next game up on this one is Jacksonville and Green Bay. Uh, Jacksonville 1-7, and seven, Green Bay 6-2. and two. This is another weather game. This is another windy game, so just keep that in mind when you're thinking about your DJ Charks or your Marquez Valdez-Scantlings. I'm not so worried of much about Devonte adams i think he'll be fine maybe he'll only score two touchdowns instead of three this week um injuries in this one lavisca chenault uh, with a hamstring injury is out uh, dj chark was sick with not coronavirus on thursday and uh, he should be able to play on sunday uh jake luton is likely still the starter this weekend according to jags brass uh for the packers uh robert tunyon is limited with an ankle issue Alan Lazard could play. That was a quote, could play. It's a soreness issue. It's truly up in the air right now. But the Packers, if he's going to play, have to activate him on Saturday. So there's not going to be a surprise active of Alan Lazard. Uh, The closest there might be would be a surprise inactive if they activate him on Saturday. And then he suffers a setback and he doesn't play on Sunday. So if you are desperate and you need a Lazard, uh, you will know on Saturday if he is going to be playing. Um, I don't think I mentioned the over-under in this one. 49 and a half. Green, ba- Green Bay, Green Ba, is uh, <laughs> 13 and a half point favorites in this one. Good golly. Evan, you want to know if this is too good of a matchup for uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? And to that, I ask, did you see Thursday Night Football last week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Thursday Night Football didn't have the weather. Although, as you pointed out, Aaron Rodgers can adjust to the weather. I mean, that's if I had an answer to this, it wouldn't be my question. I'm wondering. You know, let's let's see it. I'd love to see uh, uh, Rodgers and Adams connect, despite the fact that it seems like get an early lead and then just sit on the ball with your award-winning running game is kind of in the script. So, yeah, I'm wondering. Okay. Yeah, so you want to know if if they're going to get away from – the one of the best connections in the NFL. Not to get away from, but not need it in the second half when they're up by two touchdowns and they're just running the ball in a windstorm. Okay, fair enough. I guess enough. that is getting away from it, but yeah, get away from it seems to be implying it doesn't work. And I'm like, I think it's gonna work too good. 
You know, 28-point lead in the first quarter. Let's go home, everybody. Second stringers, get out there. I'll take a 28-point lead in the second quarter as somebody's playing the first-place team in my in my uh, home league. I will definitely take that with Devontae Adams. But, Mike, you want to look on the other side of the ball, a passing game. If DJ Chark is matchup-proof, because he's he had a big, long play last week in, what, in a game that we advised to bench him in. So... Yeah, uh, well, you know, when you have a six-round draft pick coming in, and we saw what an undrafted quarterback does to a team, um, you know, so maybe a little bit of improvement. Jake Luton was better than Danucci, but um, not much. Uh, and the one guy he targeted was the right guy, and that was Chark. Uh, Chark ended up with seven receptions for 146 yards and a touchdown on 12 targets against the Texans. As we know, Texans suck against the passing uh, offenses. But uh, if if Shark is a guy, and usually these these young quarterbacks like to pick a guy that they can just rely on, and if Shark's that guy, this could be a very good uh, opportunity for him if you know he is healthy. Uh, the only the only negative I see in this matchup is. If Jair Alexander, um, who has a concussion, but mm-hmm. uh, does play, if Alexander is on Chark for most of that game, that could really hamper Chark's status. But if they can move him around and get him away from Jair, then it, I think that this this could be a really great game for him. It, he should at least see a hefty amount of targets with being behind, as Evan was mentioning. You know, I, I don't see the Packers struggling in this game. So if they jump out ahead, guess what the Jaguars are going to need to do? They're going to need to pass. And so even better for, for someone like Chark. Yeah, uh, it's it's the flip side of Evan's question is uh, if the Packers are up big, are the Jaguars going to need to throw, throw, throw to play catch up? So uh, do we have to talk about this game? Philly 3-4-1, Giants 2-7. and seven. 44 point over under Philadelphia, three and a half point favorites. Miles Sanders with his knee issue says that he is quote 100% for Sunday. Alshon Jeffrey with his foot issue is practicing in full. If you're in a deeper league, Alshon Jeffrey, I found even in my deeper league is sitting out there on the waiver wire. You can stash him or, you know, uh, uh, Kendrick Bourne. See what happens. I'd be stashing Alshon Jeffrey in that case. Um, Devonta Freeman hit IR with his ankle injury. Sterling Shepard is limited in practice this week with a toe and hip injury. His status is up in the air. Much it for new injuries for this team, uh, injury news uh, for this game, I mean, sorry. And in this one, uh, Mike, you want to know that if despite Alshon Jeffrey potentially coming back, if Travis Fulgam, Fulgum can go full ham this weekend. I like that. Full ham. Uh, full ham. So we got a we got a positive and negative on Fulgham. If you mess up or something and you don't doesn't work out, you, you're a Fulgham. If you're great, then you go full ham. Full ham, uh, yeah. They're... So you can't go wrong with this guy. And the dude the dude has just gone off uh, as a wide receiver. I don't know. You know, this everybody credits the Steelers for finding wide receivers. Well, the Eagles are sort of the same way. I mean, Greg Ward. I mean, he's not he's not a great wide receiver, but he's He's been there. He's steady. Now Fulgham. So the Eagles have have you know pretty good status there. Jalen Rager. It looks like he's going to be something. But anyways, back to Fulgham. Uh, he's averaging like 20.7 fantasy points since week five. He leads Eagles uh, 
wide receivers in snaps, routes, targets, catches. Uh, and now he faces the Giants again. He had 11 targets and 73 yards. One of them was a good, like, 57-yarder against him. He didn't score in that game, but the way the Giants surrender touchdowns to wide receivers, they're the ninth worst. I could see Fulgham sort of getting a revenge in there and, and getting into the end zone this week against the Giants uh, since he didn't get into it in the last time they played. Yeah, I think this will be a test of Fulgaming, the phrase that we came up with where somebody all of a sudden is getting 10 targets a game because everybody else around him dies. Uh, Jared Re- or Jalen Rieger's back, if Alshon Jeffrey's back, Greg Ward, Dallas Goddard, uh, everybody but Zach Ertz, who, let's be clear here, was not good this year. But everybody comes back and Fulgham's down to like six, five to six touch- touches or targets or, you know, however they get him the ball, whether it's, you know, <clears throat> uh, carries or anything like that then we have a situation where full gaming was correct, um, where he was taking advantage of a suddenly shallow uh, target uh, uh, distribution, target look, I guess, there in Philadelphia. And um, I don't know. I kind of feel like this is going to be a Rieger breakout game. I, 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 I just feel it in my blood. So we'll see how that goes. And Evan, you want to look at the other side of the ball with uh, Wayne Gallman. Uh, rostered in fewer than one third of Yahoo leagues, and I can answer your question because he's Wayne Gallman. Right. <laughs> he'll, he'll, and I, I, it's, while we're talking about establishing parlance, I'd like to, in honor of Wayne Gallman, uh, propose the phrase two legger, where you have Jeff's three legs of fantasy performance. There are plays like Wayne Gallman who could have all the opportunity in the world and all the offense and still are two legger because they don't have any talent. Yep. Uh, that said, the dude has a touchdown in three straight games. It's we're in week ten here. How is this guy not on? And as you mentioned, uh, uh, Devonta Freeman went on IR. How are people not just picking this person up because they're desperate? There has to be at least one desperate person who's going to start a guy who has three straight touchdowns and is the only guy. I I, I don't understand people. I don't know if you. I'm not saying pick him up and stash him because watch him on tape. It's not fun. But if you need a guy, he's out there. Well, and, and to sort of emphasize on what Evan is saying, uh, the last three weeks for Wayne Gallman, he was an RB13 and then an RB18 and an RB10 last week. So, you know, he's he's definitely an RB2, if not an RB1. Usually yeah. it's the opposite. People are all over this guy, and we're the ones to say, well, hold on, you got to watch the tape. But this time it feels like it's the opposite. Well, the thing is, is, you know, as somebody who does the, the sleepers each week, I look at the roster percentages. So since I edit everything, I see what lead has to say about who to pick up. And then I see what the roster percentages are before waivers run. And then I see when I write my sleeper pieces each week, um, I see what the roster percentages are after waivers run. There's a definite trend line where the teams start to give up. Uh, teams start to give up where guys have great weeks and they're not picked up. Guys can have three great weeks and they're not picked up because pe- people give up. People just stop playing. You know, if your team is, uh, let's say, one in seven right now, there's no reason for you to play. And the teams that are really good, well, they're not interested in the Wayne Gallmans of the world. They're interested in, in you know, they're, they don't have the roster room for him. So there's there's there starts to be every single year I've seen this where there's a, a, an inflection point where teams just start to give up. This year, there's actually been multiple inflection points where teams give up because of COVID and then because of uh, so many people rage quit after Dak Prescott's injury. Um, 
that roster percentages stay low, even though if this thing was happening in week three, he would be 96% owned, you know, or rostered. So it's it's just this the, the time in the season where Gallman is doing well, uh, the good teams can't fit him onto their roster and the bad teams have given up. So they don't care to put him onto a roster. But hey, for somebody who looks for people that are owned in, or rostered, gosh, I've been I haven't made that mistake all year and I've done it twice in this this uh, episode. Um, if you're looking for people rostered in fewer than 50 percent of leagues, well, that's easy now because there starts to be a split where guys that start to come on now, they don't really get picked up. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and if you want the best example of people giving up the week after Chase Claypool's three touchdown game, which was the week that Dak Prescott broke his ankle, Dak Prescott was rostered after waivers run. Dak Prescott was rostered in 50% of leagues. Chase Claypool was rostered in 49. So that tells you exactly when people started to give up for the first time this year. All right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to an NFC South matchup. Tampa Bay, six and three. Carolina, three and six. 50.5 point over under. Tampa Bay, five and a half point favorites. Tampa Bay has no significant injuries in this one. Ali Marpet is supposed to be back. He's an offensive lineman for the Buccaneers. He's one of the better ones that they have. Uh, For the Panthers, Christian McCaffrey is out this weekend. It was a nice one week to have him back. Uh, as somebody who has Christian McCaffrey at a couple leagues, it was nice to have him back for one week. But the Mike Davis show is back. And um, that's frustrating, to say the least. But um, Evan wants to know if this will be the single biggest increase in rush attempts from the previous week that any team has ever had. Because I was going to drop the stat, but I'll let Evan do it since his question is related to it. How bad were they at running the ball last week? <laughs> Even... They ran the ball fewer times than anyone has ever run the ball in any game in NFL history. And that includes 25% of their carry. Their carries increased 25% on the kneel down at the end of the game, which technically counts as a carry. That's how bad they are. They were, the record was six and they were four carries before that kneel down. That's not going to cut it. And Carolina is done a lot to improve the run. Defense, but they're still way better at their pass defense than their run defense. And I can't just see Tampa Bay running a whole bunch of plays, being super angry, and setting another record where they have like, you know, a thousand percent more carries this week than they do uh, than they did before. So that that'll be fun. I, I I'm I'm looking forward to helping Leonard Fournette owners off of that ledge. Yeah, and speaking of Leonard Fournette. Uh, managers, I came across an interesting stat today about Leonard Fournette. Let me pull it up again. Um, Did I say uh, owners? Uh, I almost said owners. Uh, we are owning ourselves, I guess you could say. Leonard Fournette has at least 56% of the snaps in each of the last three games for Tampa Bay. So, night, night, Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones, goodbye. Goodbye. You're gone. Yeah, he has 56%, 73%, 66% of the snaps in the last three games. And um, they had one of each. It was kind of a situation neutral last three games. They blew out the – Evan, cover your ears. They blew out the Raiders by 25. Then they won a squeaker against the Giants, and then they got blown out. So it's one of each situation that they were in. And Leonard Fournette had more than half the snaps in all three of those situations. So, um, yeah. See you, Rojo. See you, Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, you died before you ever lived. Uh, but speaking of guys who died before they ever lived, uh, Christian McCaffrey, like I said, is out again. And, Mike, you want to know if Mike Davis can be top 24 running back against this tough, tough run defense? Yeah, they they are tough. But, you know, the Saints sort of 
even Latavius Murray, I mean, we always expect great things from Alvin Kamara, but even Latavius Murray had, had a pretty good day running the ball. So with Mike Davis, uh, unfortunately, as you mentioned, Christian McCaffrey, after having just a comeback party of, of you know, a typical McCaffrey kind of game was at like 10 receptions. He's just two touchdowns. He was just crazy. But we're going to have Mike Davis at least one more week. And, um, you know, he he's put up at least 15 and a half fantasy points four times. Um, one of them being against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 20-plus touches uh, is probably uh, almost guaranteed in this offense that that loves to throw their running backs, as we've seen with Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey. So, I, I, I you know, even though it does look like a tough matchup, I, I think that Mike Davis should, especially in PPR leagues, be somewhere on your starting roster, whether it's flex or RB2. Yeah, Mike Davis is a is a, is a start this week, and you just let the chips fall where they may, because, uh, like you said, tough run defense, but we've seen um, what he can do in the past. So Mike Davis is a guy that I have turned around on this year. Um, he's still a chubber, he's still a little chubby guy, but uh, he is not the same running back that I watched the four, that I watched uh, the 49ers cut to keep Joe Williams, who never played a down in the NFL. So, um, oh. <laughs> yeah. It came down to Mike Davis or Joe Williams. Uh, if you guys remember the uh, mass Joe Williams delusion of the first year under Shanahan and Lynch uh, in San Francisco. But uh, Mike Davis was not good before then, and uh, I did not miss him one bit. And now he's uh, come he back around. He was also cut by the Bears. The Bears had mm-hmm. no use for him either after a few games. and you know I, He had a cup of coffee with, C- with Seattle, too. Um, he's He's been around. He's only been around, I think, uh, this is his fifth year. Yeah, and, I would uh, say about fifth year, yeah. One, two, three. Yeah, fifth year, and he's been with Carolina, Chicago, Seattle, and San Francisco. And he was with Seattle for two seasons. Wow, okay. Didn't do much. All right, let's go. Let's move on to the next game, an AFC West matchup. Denver at the Raiders. Denver is 3-5. and five. The Raiders are 5-3. and three. And this is our first afternoon game. We got a lot of afternoon games this week. It's wild. Uh, 105 start. Uh, it's a 50 and a half point over under. Vegas are four point favorites uh, in Vegas. Uh, according to Vegas, there's a lot of Vegas going on in this one. Mike, you want to know if we should roll with Tim Patrick as a sleeper slash flex option. But before you get started, the injuries, Tim Patrick was limited with a hamstring injury and Jerry Judy with his shoulder should play. And the reason that I said that to wait was because this goes right into your question about Tim Patrick. Yeah. Uh... You know, Tim Patrick's an interesting player. Not not too many. I don't even know his ownership. I would imagine it's pretty low, but uh, he has at least a touchdown and a hundred. Um, let me reframe that. He has a touchdown <laughs> or at least a hundred yards uh, receiving in the past four games. Uh, he's been able to healthy finish. Uh, last week against Atlanta, he had four catches for 29 yards, but he had a touchdown on nine targets. The Raiders, they're. They've been proving. Uh, they're the 17th toughest in fantasy points allowed against wide receivers. They're not so much of a sieve as they were against the past. They're starting to tighten that up. But they have allowed a uh, touchdown or less than six of eight contests to wide receivers. So they do get scored on um, almost every game at least once. And I like Patrick in this game. I, I think that uh, Denver's offense, as we talked about the last couple weeks, they, they do much more of their damage when that defense gets much softer as they're behind, 
Uh, I could see the Raiders sort of taking the lead in this game and sort of playing soft uh, during maybe the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, giving some Patrick some room to run and he get a touchdown and maybe like four, four receptions and a touchdown and very perfect. You got a wide receiver two or flex from, from it. Yeah. I've, I've been a fan of Tim Patrick this season. He started to come on uh, cause he fits the, uh, Drew Locke mold that I mentioned earlier this year where they're going to bomb it out and bomb it out and eventually those are going to come through and against this Raiders team I think that yeah that's a great a great uh, decision Mike and I, I put him as one of my uh, wide receiver under 50% owned guys to go pick up and start this week um, so that's a that's a we're, we're simpatico there so I don't know if that means he's going to do well or he's going to do poorly because we agreed <laughs> either way we're simpatico so. exactly either way we're in it together um, Evan, you want to know if both Lindsay and uh, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon can turn it around against the Raiders? Uh, Melvin Gordon, especially, hasn't been playing well lately. Yeah, between the two of them, they have in the last four weeks since they're by. The Gordon has one 11 point game, and every other game has been under 7.7 in HPPR. And Lindsay had a 15 point game and then a 10.1 point game, which is not a lot. And last week, they both aided against a not great Atlanta defense. This week they get an even worse run defense. The world famous Los Angeles Raiders who uh Las Vegas Raiders even. Wow, I live in the 80s. Uh yeah. who despite the fact that they're clearly going to go on to win the Super Bowl has one of the most atrocious defenses on on, on both the uh, secondary and and the front line. Uh I think this could be a very easy week for Lindsey and Gordon to both put up uh, at least at least top 24 numbers which is not what you pick them for but uh, it's what she'll take them at at this point yeah hopefully it's a get right game for both of them and las, yeah. and las vegas has to win it in the passing yeah because uh people who have both Lindsay and gordon are starting to get a little bit frustrated with everything that's going on there uh over the last couple of weeks so um yeah that's that's definitely an interesting question to see uh how those two guys uh turn it around here against the raiders um questionable defense we'll say we'll take it we'll, we'll be charitable and call it questionable next game up chargers and miami 48 point over under miami is the favorite in this one uh, it's only one and a half points, but Miami's kind of turned it around uh, this season. Injuries in this one, Austin Eckler posted a video of him on running in a straight line on Instagram saying, quote, the time draws near for his return. Looking like somewhere between week 11 and 13 is going to be the sweet spot for Austin Eckler coming back. Justin Jackson has been ruled out with his knee injury. Troy Main Pope with a concussion is questionable and is on the pos- pos- possible portion of that because stupid questionable is like anywhere between 89% likely to play and 25% likely to play. So they have to, cause they got rid of probable. So he's on the probable side of questionable for this weekend. If that makes sense. Uh, Joey Bosa is out with his concussion. Matt Breida um, practiced on Thursday with his hamstring injury. Preston Williams hit IR. You know what time it is boys. It's Mike Asicki time. Evan, you want to know if Tua will continue to have the same target distribution, giving him giving you more insight into his reads, or will he use his best target and throw it to Mike Gesicki as I update yes. our or as I update our doc? Yeah, with, with you with you uh 
with me, I'm not I'm not a great scout. I'm still learning how to watch tape. And so with some better players, some faster players, some players who are left-handed, which is this is the only player who's been left-handed quarterback in the last three years, uh, it takes me a minute or two, and I need to rely on a few stats to, to see where to check to where he looks. Like last week, uh, you know, Devonta Parker led in uh, targets, but he got seven. So now I'm watching where Parker is on the on the all 22. Uh, uh, camera angles, and then I have to watch where Tua's, Tua's head is, and then if it's not there, i got to rewind and be like, okay, well, where was Gesicki? Because I do think Gesicki is going to be the clear number two on his reads here for the time being. And then just, just make sure. The more the more I can get into the rhythm of doing that, the faster I can do it, and the better I can notice when he adjusts, or if I'm off on it, or if the stats don't belie, don't accurately reflect what he's doing with where he's looking uh, uh, in each play, with, with which is a great thing to learn because it allows you to provide fantasy analysis and projection that a lot of people aren't getting because a lot of people just look at the stat lines. You know, it's a, it's a little bonus for our, our readers and our, our Discord fans. So, yeah, that's uh, that's where I am in the Tua project. Okay, so you're checking to see for his uh, his uh, his read progression in in his uh, passing down. So Mike, you're looking on the other side of the ball, another rookie quarterback. Uh, we got a matchup of two hot rookie quarterbacks in this one. Uh, Justin Herbert, will he be a top five quarterback? Yeah, and speaking of Tua, because uh, I just watched his game today. You know, he had. He, I, I'll give him a pass on the first game. You know, coming in and everything, tough defense. This week, he was better. But he's just not putting that wow factor on there. And Herbert was someone that did did that in his first game. Rushed in, uh, you know, as we remember, Tyrod Taylor had had you know an emergency and mm-hmm. he wasn't even set to start. Herbert comes in and's like, okay. And Herbert has just wowed me from the very beginning. Um, he has scored 20 points, fantasy points, in all but one of seven games this year. Uh, this this game against my Miami, uh, they they're tough. They're they're a tough defense. And Herbert, but Herbert's one of those players that just I, I, I think is matchup proof. I mean, you, you don't really want to say that about a rookie, but to me, I I don't see it as as not being the situation. I do see it as him being matchup proof. And Miami has allowed 20 points to four quarterbacks: Kyler Murray, Josh Allen. Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, those are some great names, but I think you're going to add Justin Herbert to to that total as well. Yeah, I mean, I said it last week when uh, on the or actually it was earlier this week on the bonus where when I watched Justin Herbert, so when I watched the game, I am he's kind of white noise to me almost at this point. And unless he does something bad, which is what I don't expect, you know, it's like, oh, what went wrong on that play instead of, you know, sitting up and taking notice and going, oh, Herbert's uh, playing well because Herbert playing well is the norm. That's the standard now is Herbert playing well. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like he's been in the league for three or four years. So you just sort of come accustomed to him doing good things. So you're not thinking of him as a rookie and making mistakes because yeah. he just doesn't do that. Yeah. He, um, you know, he, he looks more comfortable than like Josh Allen does out there a lot of time. And that includes the time that Josh Allen has taken a step forward this year and has been playing well. Uh, Herbert just looks comfortable. And I think that's a huge kudos to Pep Hamilton, the quarterbacks coach in LA, because the biggest 
my biggest problem with Justin Herbert coming out of the draft, and I told you guys this, I was pretty vocal about this. It didn't seem like his brain was was all there. You know, he he was flustered all the time. He uh, would would lock onto reads, which when you're when you're locking onto Keenan Allen, that's not going to be a problem. But he would get flustered, lock onto reads. When the pocket would break down, he would play very poorly. He seemed to miss linebackers rotating in coverage, and all that just overnight just was gone. And so big props to Pep Hamilton for really turning around uh, Justin Herbert in a hurry. Um, he's, he's, he's becoming one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. And it's why I'm very happy that, um, one night, this, this one August night, I, uh, maybe imbibed a little bit too much, got, uh, a little toasty, watched hard knocks and declared the chargers to be my second favorite team in the league. So <laughs> I'm very happy to, uh, to, uh, have uh, Justin Herbert to watch on my second favorite team. And guys, real quick, uh, those jerseys this last weekend, the chargers jerseys, did you guys uh, pay attention to the jerseys at all? No, and I and I uh, and I scouted that game too. So <laughs> they were they were nice. They were a dark blue, um, dark blue color with like uh, lightning bolts on the shoulders. Very cool. But the Chargers blew it because they kept their normal color scheme on the field. If they had swapped out their baby blue on the field with the the dark blue that they had in their jerseys, it would have been one of the most aesthetically pleasing games that I have seen in a long time. But they blew it. So sorry, LA. I don't like what they do every game. <sighs> yes. Get defeat from the jaws of victory. Oh my God. How are the Chargers going to blow it this week? That's my question. I don't get questions anymore, <laughs> but that's my question for this week. How are the Chargers going to blow it this time? I think that's a great question too, because you know it's going to fruition. It's going to happen. All right. Buffalo, seven and two. Arizona, five and three. 56 and a half point over under Arizona two and a half point favorites in this one. John Brown with his knee issue is uh, practicing in full, except he rested on Wednesday. Blanket thing, ignore Wednesday practice reports, except for teams playing on Thursday. That's a vet rest day. You see it every single week. People panic because their Yahoo app sends them a notification that says so-and-so is questionable. It's a Wednesday. Ignore it. Those things happen for the other side. Kenyon Drake was limited. Uh, with his ankle issue in practice this week, he is day to day and quote has a chance to play this weekend. Um, I'm going to look for an update on Kenyon Drake while Mike, you talk about his backup, uh, Chase Edmonds, if he's going to have a bounce back uh, game this week, if yeah. Drake doesn't play, if Drake doesn't play, and, and you know, even if Drake's healthy, why play him? Because Chase Edmonds has been better than Drake all season. So you know, put your starter who shouldn't be the starter and. Until he gets to be close to 100% as possible, give Chase Edmonds a start against the Bills. Um, and as you also mentioned, he didn't have a great game. He only scored 11.8 fantasy points in, in the loss to Miami. However, he did play 66 snaps, saw 28 touches, uh, while no other Cardinals back had more than five snaps or two touches. So with Drake out, we know that Edmonds is the guy. He is the one. Um, they're not going to split it up. They're not going to do anything else. It's either Drake or it's Edmonds. Um, and if Drake is out, then it's definitely Edmonds. So with let's just hope Drake is out. I mean, I, if you're an Edmonds owner against the Bills, and this this isn't a great opportunity for him, but uh, their defense has allowed 14-plus fantasy points to five different running backs in, in this, this season. 
So there is an opportunity. It's just not a great opportunity. We'll see how it plays out. But I think Chase Edmonds, the way he's a very good receiver out of the backfield, could probably maybe get in a touchdown. It is a good flex option. And, of course, all of this is hinges on whether Drake plays or doesn't. Yeah, and latest updates, he is truly questionable for this weekend. So uh, for people who picked up and played Chase Edmonds, um, you are kind of hoping that Kenyon Drake doesn't play this weekend. And for people who have Kenyon Drake on your rosters, you're kind of hoping that Kenyon Drake doesn't play this weekend because it has been agonizing walking Kenyon Drake into your starting lineup every week. So, uh, Evan, you want to know something on the other side of the ball. You want to know about Zach Moss, but vis-a-vis another rookie running back, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, here's something I, I need you all to help me out with. It seems like <clears throat> there's arguments for both of them. Zach Moss has been out-touching Singletary, who's really been fading from relevance. Uh, the uh, over-under for this is 10 points higher than DeAndre Swift's Detroit game. There should be a lot of scoring. Arizona's not particularly good against the run. On the other hand, <clears throat> DeAndre Swift might benefit from Kenny Galladay being out and— uh, Detroit might have to uh, hug her down and run it because Washington football team sometimes decides to, to play. I don't know. Whom, whom would you start in HPPR, uh, Moss or Swift? Let's start with Mike first. I would go with Swift. How come? I just think Swift has much more opportunity, especially catching the ball out of the backfield. Okay. He also gets uh, close, uh, goal line carries as, as much as Moss does and. If they're going to get close, you're not going to worry about Stafford plunging it in while you're going to worry about Allen plunging it in. So I, I think just overall I'd go with with uh, Swift. Okay, good to know. Jeff, do you agree or disagree? I'm going to go with Zach Moss. Okay, why? Because I'm a truther. I'm a Zach Moss truther. So no I'm going other, with Zach Moss too. He just no other reason. He just looks better, and there's going to be scoring in that game, and it's uh, end zone scoring again. Like I said, it seems to me like there's a good argument for either of them. Uh, I'm on Fantasy Pros right now, and this is why I brought the whole thing up. Guess what percentage of Fantasy Pros recommend of the 151 experts? I use that term. Uh, loosely, uh, uh, on fact, I, I, it's a great site, don't get me wrong, but you know, you, everyone who's listening is probably as good as the average fantasy expert, so half this field is, is weird. But anyway, what percentage started uh, Swift, ranked Swift over Moss this week? Throw out a number. Mm. 54. Mike? I was going to go with 46. Hey, 90. look at that, Mike. <laughs> nice. 98. Wow, but where are they, where do they rank? Because if everybody has them like twenty two versus twenty four, you know that's no, that's that's ninety eight percent, but it's not as big of a as a, of a blowout as it looks like. And this is a lesson in electoral college polit, uh, tallying that I've been dealing with the last two no, weeks. That's good. Uh, it looks like there's an average distance, and I I don't have anything like like standard deviation here that would really help. But it looks like they're about six apart, so uh, half a tier. Wow. And and Evan, I'm really upset that you did not have statistical deviations all sorted out for a question that I just asked you. I got the raw data here, so at least I came prepared to do something. <laughs> so, Why so, can't so when you... Swift scores more points, PPR points, than Moss, are you guys going to ship me some pizza? I, uh, but well, what what's if... going to happen is when Moss scores more HPPR is what I measured this in points than Swift... 98% of the industry is going to have to take a step back. I'll uh, I'll do a pizza bet with you, Mike. Nice. Cool. Mountain Mike's. Is there a Mountain Mike's down by you? Yes, there is. 
Okay. Do you enjoy mountain mics? Yeah, I'll take whatever pizza. All right. All right I'm writing this one up here. Are we doing uh, God's point scoring system, HPPR? Uh, I will do whatever scoring system Mike would like. Full he, threw down, he threw down the gauntlet. I like full PPR. Oh, come on. That favors DeAndre Swift. Uh-huh. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, you, got, you, got you got 98% of the people behind you. Yeah, that's some true. advantage. All right, fine. All right, fine. And I did give you the opportunity. So full PPR. No, to uh, be clear, uh, 98% said DeAndre Swift. Oh, 90. Ooh. You're not take, supposed to say that, Evan. Take that. <laughs> I'm just I'm the independent observer here. I'm just the one <laughs> judging the fight. You you met you uh changed the outcome by measuring it. It's a Schrodinger's uh uh argument. All right. So we'll see Zach Moss or DeAndre Swift. Uh let's see. I'm just gonna put a note in the doc right here. Uh pizza I've, bet. Actually, I've actually pinned it in the bets discord. Ah, who cares about the bets discord? That's how I keep tracking all this stuff. <laughs> all right. Next game up. Seattle six and two. Rand six and two. Uh both fighting to see who's the second best team in the NFC West behind the San Francisco 49ers. 45 and a half point over under. Or I can't even say it with a straight face. Rams one and a half point favorites. And injuries in this one. Uh, uh all the Seahawks running backs are hurt. They may or may not play. That's what I could get out of it. I, I read a lot of stuff, and it all comes down to they're all hurt, and they may or may not play. DJ Dallas practiced in full. He's the closest one to uh, being a force certain thing. But Hyde has a hammy. Carson has a foot. He's 50-50. Homer has a knee, and that's a problem. So who knows? I'm staying away from the Seattle backfield if I can help it. Cooper Cup has a wrist injury. He's on track to play this weekend. Hendo, Daryl Henderson has a quad injury, and he is in for Sunday according to Sean McVay. So in this one, Evan, you want to know if the Rams defense is just whatever the opposite of a giant slayer is. Yeah, you know, giant slayer, you're, you're kind of middling, but then when you play a great team, you step up. But the Rams defense, in fantasy and in, you know, on the scoreboard, oof, they, uh, I'm just calling it up now, just to ver- just, I know, I know the stats from earlier, but I just want to back it up with numbers. It seems like every time they play a great Offense, they fold. Uh, Buffalo lit them up for 35. Uh, Seattle, well, that's who they're playing this week. That's why I brought this up. Um, let's see here. Ooh. Well, all these teams are bad. Never mind. Yikes. San Francisco. Okay, never mind. The Rams D is a bad play always. <laughs> that's what I... I uh, I thought they played a couple of great teams, this great offenses, and folded. But now I'm looking at it, and maybe I had... The Chargers instead. Okay, so now I'm going to improv. I'm going to improv a question live here. Who's the other team? Seattle. Oh, okay. Uh, Tyler Lockett versus DJ Metcalf. Who is DJ? Who is DJ Metcalf? What? You said DJ Metcalf. DK Metcalf. What? Ah, see. So I'm just having to go by alphabetical order. Uh, Lately, they've both been feasting. Which is – well, no, I'm sorry. Lately, Metcalf has been outperforming uh, Lockett. Uh, is it going to be a trend, or are we going to see what we've seen every week, which is who knows? Yeah, that's my thoroughly researched question. It, the, Evan's question is who knows. Yeah. <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. So it's like an extra super question. Okay. So, Mike, you have a question about the other side of the field. Uh, will Goff finish as a top 12 receiver? I mean, I don't think he'll finish as a top 12 receiver, but a quarterback, maybe. 
That's my fault. <laughs> yeah, the, the way he's been playing lately, he might have a better shot at being a top 12 wide receiver. Because uh, it hasn't been good lately for, for golf. He's, you know, I don't know what's up with this dude. He's like so up and down. Remember last year when he went like four weeks? And I think it was around this time without like a touchdown. And it, it's just like, I don't know, this guy is just pits every every year for a good month. And it's sort of been that situation for him lately. But the, there is light, and it's not at the end of the tunnel. It's right there, right in front of him, because he has the Seahawks. And really? no team has allowed more more points to quarterbacks than the Seahawks has. Uh, they a total of six have put up 21 quarterbacks. Uh, six quarterbacks have put up 21-plus points against them. That includes Newton, Murray, Allen. Um, they Those guys all scored 34-plus. I think that if you're looking to stream, golf has got to be your number one streaming option. I picked him up and I'm streaming him in a couple places. So, yeah, light him up. Smoke him if you got him. And if you don't got him, go see if he's at the store and then pick him up and then smoke him. Uh, Jared Goff is a pack of cigarettes in this metaphor. All right. San Francisco around for a pack of cigarettes week two. Said he'd be right back. Ouch. That's a big ouch. Well, Evan, you know who else went out for a pack of cigarettes? And oh, what are you saying, Mike? Oh no, no, I was just saying. I just got the joke. Yeah, he he definitely has not been back. Yes, sir. All right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next one. 49ers four and five. Saints six and two. Saints are nine and a half point favorites. Forty nine point over under. Injuries in this one. Kendrick Bourne is off the COVID IR for the 49ers. Debo Samuel is out. Raheem Mostert is out. Tevin Coleman is sidelined with his knee injury. Probably out. Old Jarek McKinnon is likely to get, quote, lots of runs. So that means slot in your Jermichael Hasties this week. 49ers put two more starters on IR, both of them likely season-ending. Kawan Williams, their slot corner, and Jaquiski Tart, one of their safeties. Great year to be a Niners fan. Uh, Michael Thomas and Drew Brees were both limited this week in practice. Those were both rest days. Those are the only injuries for the Saints. So, Mike, you wanted to know if uh, Michael Thomas will finish inside the top 24 and the 49ers are starting me at cornerback, so I'm just going to say yes. You know, even though it's been a really horrendous injury season for the 49ers, at least if if, if they don't make the playoffs, you can, you can always have a very valid point and go, well, what team would make the playoffs uh, with with this injury rostered, riddled roster? So, eh, good good point, bad point about about the this season for them. Um, and as far as Mike Thomas goes, uh, he finally got back on the field and he did nearly nothing. Uh, he got five passes for 51 yards in two games this season. He's totaled eight receptions for 68 yards, both. Uh, weirdly, it been against the Bucks. So week one it was against the Bucks, and then last week it was against the Bucks. I don't know if he's going to disappear again. I guess we'll find out. Uh, now they play the 49ers, as we're talking about, and they are 14th against wide receivers in the last two weeks. The 49ers have given up six touchdowns to wide receiver. However, prior to that point, they only gave up uh, five in four games. So. I don't know. It's it's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde situation for the 49ers. I'm sure you could probably speak on that better than I can, Jeff. But um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what we get from the 49ers. You know, more players out. That means better news for Thomas. He's definitely a start. But 
I don't know. He might not even finish in the top 24. We'll see uh, what, what happens in this game. Um, I, like I said, you start him, but don't be surprised if, if he's below a top 24 output. Oh, boy, I would be definitely surprised having watched this 49ers defense just fart all over the place and have everybody get hurt. And uh, he is. But, but what I don't what 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 happened? I mean, I, I mean, so. They, they've they've had a landslide. Is it just mounted injuries over the last two weeks? Because the two weeks, you know, before those the last two weeks, they were really tough against wide receivers for like a good month. And then the last two weeks, they've they've given it up. Uh, Jason Verrett was playing out of his mind for the first mo- two months of the seasons or two. The sorry, first two months of the season so far, and um. He was playing out of his mind. The defense was at full strength. The 49ers are missing both of their starting safeties, and that's causing a lot of uh, downfield problems for them. Uh, but Jason Verrett has kind of come back down to the pack a little bit the last couple games. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just mounting injuries. Uh, their starting slot corner, K1 Williams, has only played, I believe, in the last uh, – the you know, he hasn't played that much. It's – it's um. Richard Sherman's been gone for almost the entire season. It's just, it's a mess in the secondary. And uh, it's just, things are starting to come home to roost, is I guess the best way to put it. The chickens are coming home to roost with all these injuries. What is, do you know when Sherman's supposed to be back? Who knows? He's maybe this week, maybe in three weeks, maybe not at all. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Who knows? Uh, Let's see. Richard Sherman. Mm, Richard Sherman is out this week. So who knows? Okay. Yep. 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 Is that yep. who knows question mark or who knows question mark question mark question mark? It's a who knows. Um, because who knows? Um, Evan, you wanted to know about Jerick McKinnon and the Saints. Yeah, like you said, you you pretty much gave about two thirds of where I'm going with this. You uh, made it easy for me. Like you said, Jerry McKinnon. People are saying could get a lot of work this week. Hey, everybody's injured. But then you know, three of the last. Well, I don't even need to look at that back. Two of the last three games, he had a total of negative one rushing yards. That's right. Yeah. Tired legs. Old tired legs. You know, I, I'm I'm thinking, and Jeff, please, you you are the Trump supreme about this, so step in. I'm thinking if uh, Quan Alexander plays, then McKinnon's probably not going to get as much receiving yards, and maybe he's not a top 24 play. Is is my line of logic adequate there? Mm, I mean, I wouldn't worry too much about Quan Alexander if he starts or not. I I liked him on the Niners, but he's not like a a, a type of guy that you really worry about um, being the the hinge point in your uh, decision making. If that makes sense. Sure, there you have it, folks. McKinnon to block. I didn't say that. I said I wouldn't hinge it. I said I wouldn't hinge it on Quan Alexander or not. And this is coming from a guy. Which hold on, let me turn on my camera real quick. Let me show you guys something. This is from a guy who you see behind me. Ah, oh, has a jersey. That is, that is an autographed Quan Alexander jersey. So this right, is coming. From, what's that? I didn't know that was autographed. That's awesome. Yeah, so that is uh, an autographed Quan Alexander jersey, and that coming from that somebody who owns one of those, I am saying, do not worry about the the. Uh, the Quan Alexander being the hinge point on your Jarek McKinnon matchup. Gun to your head, HPPR, would you do Hasty or McKinnon? I would say, why are you putting a gun to my head and asking me fantasy football <laughs> questions? 
Uh, I would go McKinnon. I, I figured. Okay, yeah. that makes that makes sense. Uh, very aggressively asking me fantasy football questions. Whoever's putting this gun to my head. Uh, um, I'll just answer. You don't have to point a gun at my head. Jesus. Uh, all right. Let's, that's enough of that game. I'm tired of that game. Uh, Cincinnati, 2-5-1. Pittsburgh, 8-0. It's a 45.5 point over under. Pittsburgh, 7 point favorites in this one. Injuries. Joe Mixon is uh, out with a foot injury. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is expected to get off the COVID IR on Saturday, and then he's got some knees to deal with. He's got both of his knees injured, but he'll probably play. It's probably just Ben being, you know, whiny Ben. Um, Vance McDonald has coronavirus. Uh, Sorry about that. I thought my phone was on vibrate. Uh, Vance McDonald has coronavirus, and he is the reason why um, Big Ben is on COVID IR because he was sitting next to him um, on the flight back from the last game. This is also a windy game, so keep that in mind when you're when you're breaking ties in this one. Maybe away from your Deontay Johnsons or away from your AJ Greens um, in this one. But Evan, you wanted to know if something was wrong with James Conner. Yeah, low key, he hasn't looked right. He's never been like Mister Change Gear. Cut out, cut in. But uh, three of the last five, I'm counting this right, three of the last five games he's had under 50 rushing yards, especially including last week's nine runs for 22 yards against Dallas. And another of those under 50 has been uh, against Philadelphia. These are not these are not all world run defenses he's been going on. So uh, I haven't really, I've just kind of seen it and been like, huh, James Conner looks even more James Connery lately. Just kind of, you know, Good, but not not going to flash talent. I'm going to definitely be watching him in the backfield before the snap and and uh, 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 where his and, decision is. And making. after the snap. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to give up after the snap. Be like, no, he's standing in the right place. He's got this. Um, yeah, I, I want to take a look at him. There might be something low-key wrong with him that they're leading away from him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I I th- I'm that now I'm now I'm curious because I wasn't seeing he, he didn't produce great but he's I was, a slumpy guy I I I wouldn't be surprised but I'm just like no he's just in a slump he's always had slumps you know yeah that's true he um we'll see how that goes yeah because I didn't see too much I was just kind of like yeah he got bottled up whatever he's not a we talked about it a couple weeks ago that he's not his game's not being a dynamic athlete it's more patience vision contact balance and you know. We'll see how that how that plays out this week. Um, that's one that I, now I'm interested in. And um, uh, Mike, you wanted to know if Joe Burrow could establish himself as an every week starter. And I have a second question for you uh, relating to Joe Burrow. The Bengals have given up the second most sacks, I believe, this year. And the Steelers have had the second most sacks Ooh. this year. I believe that's what the, the stat I heard. So um, is I have a question for you. Is he going to get a David Carr speed run this week? Yeah, he just might. Because, wow, um, when you're giving up the sacks as much as the Bengals do and you're you're placing a defense that all they do is attack, 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 it's it's going to be a long day for Burrow. Uh, and he's been good. He's been good for a rookie quarterback. Um, but, you know, it hasn't been special, especially against great defenses. For instance, he didn't throw a touchdown against the Ravens or the Colts. Uh, and for for him to be a great player, he needs to sort of like rise against those top tier defenses. I, I really believe that that's what separates quarterback from being a weekly streaming option from like an every 
every week starter. Uh, now he has another opportunity against the Steelers, and as we talked about, it's going to be a tough one. But if he does come out and he does play him uh, very well and establishes himself, I think that this is a game where he can sep- make that separation between an every week starter or just someone that will be a streaming option for the rest of the season. Um, maybe even get to the point of set and forgetting. Um, that would be nice. But right now, I just see him more of a streamer than someone who is someone that you put put in there every single week or someone that is even even below that with the set and forget. So we'll, we'll see. This is going to be a great test for him. And, it, and if he can, then even better. So. Yeah, um, I would definitely like Joe Burrow to graduate um to that that you know that sort of that justin herbert here that we were talking about earlier um he's his line's not doing him any favors he he is better than his stats say i think so far this year his he's just been dealing with a lot of garbage up front poor guys running for his life every down and uh things aren't going to be good this weekend i don't think um all right let's get into the first of two uh primetime games that are probably both going to be awful um, <laughs> if we're being honest, Baltimore and New Orleans, Baltimore six and two, New Orleans three and five. This one probably looked better when the schedule makers put it together. Forty three and a half point over under Baltimore, seven point favorites injuries in this one. Mark Ingram is back at practice with his ankle injury. He's probably going to play um, an undisclosed Ravens player has COVID. This is coming on the heels of uh, Marlon Humphrey getting a COVID positive test last week. Damian Harris uh, was limited in practice with an ankle and chest injury, but should be playing. And Nikhil Harry is back at practice, but who cares? He's officially dead to me. Mike, you now want to know if Lamar Jackson is just a flex option. And I'm going to ask you guys a second question in this. Uh, Okay. Is uh, is Lamar Jackson not even startable in most situations anymore? He might not be. Um... Only four times in eight weeks, he's been a top 12 quarterback, and not once has he been above a quarterback five. And now he has a Patriots defense as fourth toughest on QBs. In half their contests, they have not allowed a touchdown. Uh, and some somehow Sam Darnold threw three last week. <laughs> yeah. No, wait. Sam Darnold didn't play last week. Are you thinking of Flacco? Must have been Flacco. Yeah, you I, just saw I, the Jets. I, I just put the Jets in there. Absolutely. That's what I did. I, 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 it's I wild. Guess. Yeah, it's wild. Either way, it's wild. It, it's still wild. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, Joe Flacco throws three against the Patriots when they haven't even come close any allowing any of that. Uh, yeah, and they also don't allow much on the ground. Uh, Russell Wilson's 39 rushing yards was the most. So not only are they not allowing in the air and not allowing touchdowns, but they're not allowing running back uh, – quarterbacks to be running backs which is kind of bad news for lamar jackson i would completely go in another direction than jackson uh he you know he is intriguing he's someone that you know could get you a lot of points especially with the legs but the patriots don't allow that for that to happen um he's like as we talked about it's not startable you know and i was thinking you know if you own him you're not gonna drop him but it's like yeah, he's only a streamer. Yeah, that that's it this season. Um, and so I I don't. It's just almost carrying a space because he has been that bad. And um, 
And then when you're looking at someone like the Patriots, a defense like the Patriots is 10th or better against quarterbacks, you're just like, forget about it. You can't start him. You, you're going to have to look for it. I would I would rather go Jared Goff than Lamar Jackson this week. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson has reached down into the depths of what uh, – uh, like the low below the lowest expectations that people might have had for him this year most people if you're taking if you know he's a guy going into the year he's just completely there was the report that um there the defenses are calling out the plays at the line of scrimmage um guess where i've seen that report before when greg roman was the offensive coordinator of the 49ers um so this might be a greg roman problem too which you know, that doesn't make it easier to slot Lamar Jackson into your lineup because Greg Roman will still be his offensive coordinator. But I've seen this problem before with Greg Roman. Um, he can take a league by storm with one for one year and then everything kind of kind of falls apart after that. So, yeah, um, not to belabor the point, but yeah, Lamar Jackson is a mess right now. The Ravens past game is a mess right now. But Evan, you want to know, speaking of uh, things that are a mess, uh, Jacoby Myers is kind of cleaning up this past game for the uh, Patriots, and you want to know if he's for real. Yeah, this isn't any some like deep cut that I'm providing insight for. Sorry, everyone. 30 targets since he came back in three games. The dude's lighting up. Cam clearly uses him as a security uh, valve, a safety valve. Uh, dude's going to be a third-year wide receiver next year, too. If Cam sticks around, man, uh, this guy this guy could light it up. Uh, yeah. That's, I'm just watching him to be like, are you for real? Because it kind of feels like, yeah, you are, and you've already proven it to me, and I shouldn't even be asking. Okay, fair enough. Um, I didn't hear anything you said because my chair just broke, and I fell out of it. <laughs> oh. Are you are you all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I was just leaning back in my yeah. chair, and uh, it, the back came off on me. So, uh, oh. yes, Evan, I, I agree with that. Okay, and now yeah, I, totes. I didn't make any deep cuts that are going to cost your career. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm glad I was on mute, though. Uh, Now I am uh, kneeling on my uh, office floor. And uh, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next game, because now my interest is getting this podcast over with as soon as possible. Uh, (laughs) Minnesota three and five. Chicago five and four on Monday Night Football. This one is also a 43 and a half point over under Minnesota two and a half point favorites, which uh you're kind of betting against history there because uh, Kirk Cousins is, I think I heard, 0-9 um, start to start his career on Monday Night Football. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, for the uh, Vikings injuries, Irv Smith was out on Friday with a groin injury. You can go ahead and see if he's going to play this weekend, but he's a touchdown or bust guy. For Chicago, uh, David Montgomery still in concussion protocol. Uh, A-Rob has a knee issue and he's questionable for Monday Night Football. Monitor on Saturday practice reports for this one. This one's a little bit more difficult because it is Monday Night Football. Luckily with A-Rob, you have pivots in Mooney and uh, Miller in most le- most leagues. And if you get exceptionally desperate, I don't know, uh, you can flex Alexander Madison. He's available in more than half a leagues. But um, but yeah, this one is uh, rough with the Demont concussion with no clear pivot there. Uh, Ryan Nall, maybe Cordell Patterson, who knows, and the A-Rob knee issue. Um, but in this one, uh, Evan, you want to know if Dalvin Cook can carve up the Stout Bears defense? And as somebody who's playing him in my big money league, I sure hope not. Yeah, as you as you pointed out, this one's not got a lot popping. It's going to be the Bears are going to have to lean on Nick Foles with no Allen Robinson. That's not going to be a fun watch. 
Uh, Minnesota is, they've got Kirk Cousin, who's not quite ready for prime time. I'm sure I'm not the first one, nor the last one to make that reference. Uh, so I guess the, the interesting, just the interesting part, it might not even be fantasy relevant, if anything is, is uh, I want to see Cook going up against the Bears defense. You know, it's going to be one of those battles that's uh, pretty even for the first three, maybe two and a half quarters, and then it gets won one way or the other in the fourth quarter. That'll keep me interested. Jeff has now fallen through the <laughs> floor of his recording booth. The mic was... broke. <laughs> oh, maybe he really did. I heard him for a second. No, I was muted. I was muted. Here you go. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, I was messing with my chair, and then my uh, my mute and unmute wasn't working. This thing is flying off the rails because I flew off my chair. Um. Yes, Evan, good point. I heard everything you said. Mike, <laughs> I promise I'll listen to you. Will Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen finish inside the top 24 this weekend? Yeah, and surprisingly, they've been talking about off the rails. These two guys who had such a strong start have been off the rails, both of them. Uh, the last two weeks, just not gone their way. In fact, neither one of them has done better than a wide receiver 55 in the last two weeks. Uh, and it won't get much easier against the Bears, who are the third toughest against wide receivers and fantasy points allowed. Only three wide receivers have scored touchdowns against them. Mike Evans, Josh Reynolds, and A.J. Brown. Hmm, that's a good stat. Um, interesting. I think that I, – I, I don't know. I think uh, – Dalvin Cook is soaking up too much of the the offense for both of them to play well this weekend, but or on, on Monday, not this weekend. But we will go ahead and see if that is the case. Sorry, I just got paranoid in the middle there that I was muted again. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's go ahead. Let's talk about, uh, let's finish this up with the Daily Fantasy Football, our weekly uh, matchup, uh, FanDuel. It's uh, fanduel.com slash absurdity if you want to sign up. Uh, that code lets you know we sent you and gets you a little bit of a bonus there. So, um, so Mike, why don't you go ahead and take it away? <sighs> what a bad week for, for me. But, Jeff, since two weeks, it's been two weeks that, that you've hit gold. And this week, in a respectable 150 points, mm-hmm. you took the gold medal. Congratulations, Evan. Um, as Evan does nearly every week, takes the silver uh, with 134. Oh, and steady. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then, yeah, I, I took the podium at 119. Yuck. Uh, hey, top three, Mike. Yeah, top three. Can't beat it. Can't beat top three. Um, That's right. So overall totals, uh, Mike is leading 1,135 points. In second place is Evan at 1,093, and Jeff is closing in, creeping in on on Evan with 1,062 points. So congratulations, gentlemen, for first and second place. I'm going to get you. I'm creeping up on you. I'm going to get you. So, Mike, why don't you go ahead and kick it off and tell us who your Week 10 lineup is going to be over there on FanDuel. So week 10, uh, we're going to start with quarterback, and we're going to go Deshaun Watson against that Cleveland, hopefully weather permitting, it's all good, at 8,300. My running backs, Aaron Jones, 8,800. The Duke Johnson, 5,800. Wide receivers, Cooper Cup, Travis Fulgham, Will Fuller, 
Um, nothing really special altogether there. I think the most, yeah, is Cooper Cup at 7,700. Tight end Evan Ingram, 5,600. Keep scoring those touchdowns, buddy. Jarvis Landry, who's really like the only wide receiver Cleveland has now, um, 6,000. And I'm going to go with the Raiders defense. Why not, Evan, right? 3,500 against the very bad Denver Broncos offense. All right. So that's Watson, Aaron Jones, Duke of Johnson, Cooper Cup, Travis Fulgham, Will Fuller, Evan Ingram, Jarvis Landry, and the Raiders DST, huh? Yes, sir. All right. There you go. At least uh, you'll be on the podium. (laughs) I'll be somewhere. You'll be somewhere. Evan, what about you? Who are you going to fire up this weekend? For the second straight week, I'm taking Allen. He's doing that thing he does where he rips it off against mediocre defenses and high-scoring games. This week, it'll be against the Cardinals. Uh, He was 8,700. Then I'll take Alvin Kamara against the 49ers for 9,000. You know Kamara's going to flip out like five or six games a year. Why not this one? Uh, and then like, like Mike, uh, yeah, give me, give me Duke Johnson in that game in Houston or is it Cleveland? One of those two, it's going to be weather permitting where they might not pass it at all. And there's no David Johnson. 5,800 seems like a good price for him. And then, uh, I want Diggs cause I like Allen and I heard this really tech term for this when you have the receiver and the quarterback, apparently the kids are calling it a stack. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I don't know Emmanuel Sanders 5800. I, I just needed something, and he's had he's he's been COVIDed for the last two weeks. Maybe he's mad, you know. Maybe he's maybe he's he's rested. He's ready. And then I don't know why I just keep going to Cole Beasley as my safety blanket because Allen hits him so much. It seems like a safe thing in PPR. Uh, Darren Waller for seven thousand. That Denver D is pretty good, and when he goes up a pretty good D, uh, you know Derek Carr tends to just. Go- the, the secure Darren Waller. And then I guess Wayne Gallman on New York because, you know, I had like 5700 to spend and he's the only one there, he, even though he is a two-legger. And then, yeah, Saints D against the Niners. I take the Saints in our Survivor League, too. Survival League, too. So uh, from the top, Josh Allen, Alvin Kamara, Duke Johnson, Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Darren Waller, Wayne Gallman and New Orleans Saints. All right. All right. Those are a couple good lineups. A couple good lineups. But you guys are ready for the best lineup. Best lineup has already been read by me. Uh, I'm going to respectfully disagree. We got off the top. I'm surprised I'm, I'm the only guy on him. Jared Goff, or as we respectfully call him, Jared Goof. Uh, then we're going to go Zach Moss and James Conner at the running back slots. Um, Devonte Adams is where I start all of my lineups now. <laughs> Let's plug him in there. Him or Dalvin Cook are going to be in all of my lineups, but I can't do Dalvin Cook this week because it's Monday Night Football. Uh, then I'm going to plug in Scary Terry McLaurin. Go with John Brown there. Same theory as Evan, just a little bit cheaper at uh, wide receiver. Then I'm going to go with Evan Ingram as my tight end. Uh, same as Mike. I'm going to go Brandon Ayuk in the flex. Ayuk, uh, no Debo. Um, you know, I think they're going to do a lot to get uh, Ayuk involved. There was a report that I think he said 85% of the 49ers game plan revolved around Brandon Ayuk and and um, Kendrick Bourne, and they were out. So I'm going to go with Ayuk there in the flex. And then I am going to lean into the David Carr speed run that's going to happen on Sunday. And I'm going to start the Pittsburgh DST against the Bengals. I think there's going to be lots of sacks to be had there and quite a few turnovers. So again, that's Goff Moss. 
James Conner, Devontae Adams, Scary Terry McLaurin, John Brown, Evan Ingram, Brandon Ayuk, and the Pittsburgh DST. Don't be a yuck. Don't be a yuck. Get Ayuk in your lineups. All right, so I have to go fix my chair, so I'm going to call it for this week's episode of the Football Absurdity <laughs> Podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe in your podcast app of choice. If you don't like what you heard, please subscribe. We'll be back on Tuesday in the Patreon feed um, with the answers to these questions and a look ahead at the Thursday night football game for next week. So for Mike, for Evan, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening, and you have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye.